Hi, it's Graham Richardson. It's been some time since I spoke to you, but that's obviously because I've been in hospital and I've now realised that I've been in hospital for 128 days. That's more than four months. I think it was four months ago uh, on Saturday the 6th, so it's a hell of a long time. And it's also true to say I haven't been compass menace or aware of what's going on around me for quite a period uh, or quite a bunch of those 128 days. I was operated on on the 6th of April. Now, I'm 66 years, years old, I'm no kid. It was a 22-hour hour operation in the end, during which both my heart and lungs and kidneys, oh, I shouldn't say both, my heart, my lungs and my kidneys all had difficulties. Um, I guess that's because at 66 you shouldn't have 22-hour operations. Um, I had my bowel, bladder, prostate and rectum removed. So I now have two bags um, and uh, I have, um, I suppose, just mastered the art of how to change them myself and look after myself. But it's been a pretty wild ride. Four weeks after the operation, I developed clots in both the heart and the lungs and for a week it was touch and go. Uh, Amanda and Darcy said goodbye to me twice, um, which is pretty slack. Um, I don't really remember too much detail of it all. I just remember long periods in the dark where I couldn't breathe, where there was a struggle for every single breath. And I remember Amanda crying in the doorway. There's one image. I don't remember Darcy saying goodbye to me, but apparently he did a couple of times. So it was... Um, Obviously a pretty dramatic period, um, but probably for the last oh, 10 weeks of that 18, I've been um, in somewhat better shape, so I could um, realise what was going on around me. It's interesting, even when it was at, at the sort of six-week mark, I couldn't read newspapers very well because my eyes wouldn't focus, and also I, I had the attention span of a gnat very often. I, I just couldn't continue uh, to listen to people or listen to the, t the radio or the, watch the telly. And, uh, and it made life very difficult. Uh, but it was in particular the, uh, the difficulty I had with my eyes that made life difficult. And uh, that wasn't sorted until quite recently. But now I'm hopefully back to some sort of normal. I did the television coverage of the election on Sky on the, on the election night. But I can't say uh, that I followed the election campaign closely because the first five weeks of it, I think I was pretty much out of it. And uh, I then started to come around and, and I was able to make some sort of a contribution by the end. But everything that I said on the podcasts here, if you go back and listen uh, before April the 6th, about long election campaigns being a disaster, they all turned out to be true. And Malcolm goes out to the Governor-General, he's very tricky and they're very proud of themselves because they've come up with this mechanism to secure a double dissolution. Well, he got it. And what's it done for him? He had 30 senators in the, uh, 33 senators in the old parliament. He's got 30 now. Uh, Labor's gone, has got 26. And in, in the 11 independents, after you take out the Greens, if this bloke can't get nine of them, he can't get any legislation through. Now, I've, I've listened to some of the learned people who comment on these things say, oh, it won't be that hard because Pauline Hanson is, uh, is at heart a conservative and a liberal and she'll help them. 
got to be remembered that Pauline Hanson does not simply dislike the Liberals, she loathes them. Turnbull's the bloke who said she wasn't fit to sit in a parliament. Now he and his colleagues have got to sit down and negotiate not one, but two budgets. Because what people haven't come to realise is that none of the legislation from the last budget has yet gone through. We've just had this hugely long hiatus where Australia has simply stood still, where we just drift. We've got no idea of a course. There's no captain on the bridge directing it. We just drift. And I'm finding this all pretty bizarre. Crisis management appears to be something that Malcolm Turnbull's got no idea about. Now, I don't know how much notice you've taken of these latest couple of incidents, but if you look at what's happened with the census, he comes out the first day absolutely defending the ABS. Now, seriously, anyone listening to this, if you knew what happened on, on that infamous Tuesday night, and you know they've been preparing for millions of people to do business on a Tuesday night, right? That's what they've told you. You've been briefed on this. You know there's millions. How could it possibly crash that early? And just because someone gets up and says, oh, there were hackers, why would you believe them? Why wouldn't you always say to yourself, I think I'll just wait this one out. I think I'll get someone to have a look. Before I go in and, and put too much of a defence in, I'll work out exactly how this is, is going to turn out in the end. Because if you give it any thought, the original explanations were ridiculous. And they've since turned out to be proven to be exactly that. Ridiculous. So now we're learning, finally, that uh, in truth, there was uh, a lot of breakdowns, a lot of uh, imperfections in the way that the ABS and the IBM handled what they did. And then he had that pathetic press conference on the Thursday afternoon. Pathetic by the boss of the ABS. Doesn't want to take questions out. If I'd been Prime Minister, I'd have said, listen, you have caused us enormous grief. You get out on that bloody platform and you answer every single question only when the gallery are tired of asking you, do you say that'll be enough? You answer every question, not this bloke. Puts his tail between his legs and heads for the hills. It's pathetic. And the fact that the government allowed it is even more pathetic. And to hear him say, oh, gee, I'm not happy about this. Good on you, Malcolm. There's a nation unhappy about this. And your reaction to it was all wrong. But it's not the only thing about which you've been all wrong. I mean, I think to allow the Rudd decision to become such a drama, played out over weeks, it's just ridiculous. Why do you do these things? Why don't you just make up your mind? You didn't have to go to cabinet with whether or not you supported Rudd for a job at the UN. You could decide it yourself. And obviously you didn't want him to have one, and that's fine. The guy's a grub, I don't blame you. But I can't understand why you allowed it to become, A, a test of your leadership, so that now you, you're simply a a victim of the rights vendettas on you, that you had to obey lest you get even more unhappy with your, the rest of your troops or they get more unhappy with you. Your deputies humiliated. You allow that to happen. And I just have to ask why. Why would you do any of that? Well, the reason is you haven't got a clue on how to handle problems. You just haven't got a clue. And always you want to make sure that just in case something's going wrong, just in case something becomes unpopular, you want to ensure that you don't take the blame. The blame has to be always, as far as you're concerned, Malcolm, with someone else. Now, I find that pretty pathetic. But when you think of the difficulties still to come, not one bit of the last budget's been legislated for. 
You have in Lane, Hillman, and Day are basically conservative people, but they don't follow a line. They're all over the place. Xenophon is a populist. He runs with, with what Australians think, which isn't that bad an idea, by the way. There's a thing in democracy that says the majority should rule, and if the majority think one way, there's no point in you sticking up for them. Uh, no, uh, nothing bad in you sticking up for them. But you've got him, and he's going he's to be very difficult to deal with on a hell of a lot of the budget questions, God knows. Then you've got Pauline sitting there, and she's got three mates. Now, I tell you, that's going to be incredibly difficult for the government. Who knows what she'll do? She doesn't. That's for sure, so you can't know yourself. And I think dealing with her is going to be a nightmare for the ministers and, and those who are charged with, with, with doing it. It's going to be incredibly difficult. So that's, that's just some of the difficulties. And then you've got another budget next year, but then you've got all the other legislation that governments uh, have to, have to uh, put up. I think this is a mess. I doubt very much if it's a mess that can survive. It would seem to me that a year or so would be about the limit this government can expect to hold on to power. And then they have to go to an election. Well, if they go to an election, the difficulty is this bloke's becoming more unpopular by the minute. If, uh, if you saw the research that Labor had done in Sydney's western suburbs in those last few weeks prior to the election, like me, you would not have been surprised that Labor won back a swag of seats there. Because they just don't trust this bloke. They don't like him. They don't trust him. He got in and he said he was going to do all sorts of things for them. Truth be told, he's done bugger all. And that's because I just don't think he's got a clue what he wants to do even. This bloke just doesn't have a plan. And all that stuff in the election, jobs and growth, what did it mean? Did any one of you ever find out how the jobs and how the growth were going to be delivered other than a great big tax cut for, for big business, which most of Australians think is a joke? And here you've got the Commonwealth Bank and they're almost $10 billion in a profit. You think they need much help? I doubt it, especially when they won't pass on in full interest rate cuts that the RBA are making. Now, this is, this, these plans is, that he and, uh, and Scott Morrison claimed they have, they just never existed. And they still don't. I mean, what amazes me is still after the election, after all this drama, there is still no plan. And then, you know, then comes this decision... Uh, to knock back the Osgrid Chinese buyer. Now, I want you to think about that one too. Apparently in December, they were okay to bid. How come you're okay to bid, but you're not okay to win the bid? It strikes me as bizarre once again. And there's only one conclusion you can draw. And that is, the government knows it's unpopular to let the Chinese buy big Australian assets, especially big publicly critical assets like electricity. So you decide to get populist, you decide to steal a bit of the Hanson or uh, Xenophon ground, and you do it yourself. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. It never, ever does. When you come too late to the party, you can't expect to eat all the food and drink all the drink. Most of it's already gone. That'll do me for this week, but we'll talk to you very soon.